Zach Eady is back at Purdue. Let's delve into the reasons why and what it means for the Boilermakers. Kyle Charter is here with Brian Newbert on Golden Black Radio, plus Tom Deanhart on football recruiting. Brian, coming up to talk hoops, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Brian, let's talk a little bit of Zach Eady. It was, what, a little less than a week ago that he made the decision that he was going to return to Purdue for his senior season as the day went on. What was that? Wednesday as Wednesday Wednesday went on. Did you have any feel one way or the other for, for which way it was going to go? I guess as it reached like four o'clock, I had decided that that meant that he was not coming back. But then as it reached like six 30 or seven, I had decided that the longer it went meant he was coming back. What did you think? Yeah, I always thought he was coming back, but I actually had a lot of people telling me that he was very, very serious about staying in the draft. I, he just, yeah. I think he worked out for the Bucks that day. Uh, so he was, he brought it right down to the wire. And the whole point of this process, as I always tell people, is you want to give the NBA every opportunity, every second to make your decision for you by yeah. saying, we guarantee you we're going to draft after you uh, or we guarantee you we're going to give you a guaranteed contract i'm using the word guarantee an awful lot here but yeah i think he was just waiting for certainty and certainty is really hard to find in this process outside of the top 15 to 20 guys and uh i think he just he just held off he was patient he handled it the right way as i said before you want to let the process run its course or else you're kind of kind of defeating the purpose of of the process. And I think that, you know, it's been well documented uh, that he has certain uh, limitations in the NBA, uh, in the NBA's eyes that make him kind of a, uh, an acquired taste, so to speak. Um, and I just don't think he ever got that. He ever got that uh, guarantee, uh, you know, don't be so naive as to think that, you know, these these decisions are always about love of your school and whatnot. If you get a multi-million dollar guarantee deal, you're going uh, 99 yeah. times out of 100. Uh, and I, I just don't think that opportunity was there for him at this point in time. And I don't think he wanted to go to the G League uh, at this point in time. And obviously, as we've talked about ad nauseum here, his you know, he, he can come back to Purdue for one more year and make as much, if not more money than he would have spent a year in the G League or playing a year professionally in Canada or pl- playing a, a year professionally in Spain or uh, wherever. And, um, you know, it, it's a very different time. And even with his uncertainty and that lack of a guarantee he, that I'm only assuming uh, was at play, five years ago, he would have he would have been compelled to go anyway. I'm quite certain because you can't do a whole lot more individually than he just did. Uh, There's nowhere to go, but down, so to speak in terms of a guy who was a consensus national player of the year and was probably the best player in college basketball. And, 
you know, is now in a position where he has to follow up that act somehow uh, or else it looks like something's wrong uh, when in reality, nothing's wrong. But um, I just think he gave the NBA every opportunity to say, we're definitely doing this. We're definitely doing this. You're definitely going to have that. Uh, this is definitely going to happen. And that is a really hard thing to come by. That's not just a Zach Eady issue. That's, that's an issue for everybody who, you know, who declared for the draft. And you saw that list. It's like 70 guys long of guys who pulled out of the draft there in the last couple of days. They were all in the same position. Yeah. And it is just unfortunate. I mean, we know what it is with Zach Eady. It's unfortunate that he's coming along at a time where he's as dominant a player as he is when those kind of players are not coveted at the best basketball level in the world, right? I mean, it, it just, it is what it is. He's a niche player yeah. in the NBA, as unfortunate yeah. as that is. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, being a niche player in the NBA is still a damn good life. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if you're good enough, though, and, you know, that that's up to him to ultimately prove one day, if you're good enough, they're going to find a place for you. I mean, there are all sorts of guys in the NBA who wouldn't pass who wouldn't check every single box on the, on the categorical uh, scale in terms of their positions, in terms of their roles, yeah. whatnot. Duncan Robinson is the hero of, of, <laughs> of that game last night. And that guy can't guard anybody, you know, um, he's out there mean mugging people. That dude Crazy. does one thing. Yeah. Now he, he does it better than damn near anybody in the world, but he does one thing. And, you know, Zach Eady does being seven foot four, 300 pounds better than damn near anybody in the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's going to get him in the door one day. It might not be as, it might not be the path of least resistance like it would be for Duncan Robinson, who comes along when the three pointer is the most important thing in basketball right now, arguably. Um, whereas uh, that has sort of cat that very reality has sort of cannibalized the Zach Eady category where you're, you're spreading the floor and you're running up and down the floor and you're guarding ball screens and stuff like that. But if you're good enough, they're going to find a place for you. And um, I think ultimately Zach Eady's time will come. We'll have that opportunity to prove he can play in the NBA. Again, it's not going to be the path of least resistance most likely, but then it's going to be up to him, but that time's just not right now. I'm sure you've heard uh, a ton of different things about what the deal is that Zach Eady got NIL wise to stay at Purdue. I've heard a lot of different stories there too. Any idea what's, what's true, what's not, what, what the, what the deal is like for him in terms of NIL at Purdue? Well, he'll do very well. He, I mean, he did, uh, it, best i can tell and i i don't have this documented i don't have this you know um for absolute certain but i think he was in the ballpark of a million bucks last year and uh you know now you're the returning college player of the year and you know any issues you might have had with international stuff has been uh kind of smoothed over uh to the best of my understanding yeah. um he should do better now and that's the, that's a pretty healthy living. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be irresponsible about throwing numbers out there uh, because I don't know, and I don't think anybody's ever going to say anything on the record about this. But um, you know, it, it's 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 
he's going to do very well. And yeah. whether that's the reason he came back, I, I would absolutely positively not say that for certain. I think it's a reason. It's a reason not to go. But I think if the NBA had said, we're going to take you with the number 20, with the 20th overall pick, and you're going to get a guaranteed three-year deal, right? you know, for this much money, and you're going to be a free agent after three years and with the chance to, you know, get that that coveted second contract he's gone i mean that's just the that's just the business reality of all of this Mm -hmm. um now that that being said i think nil is obviously keeping kids in school longer you saw it last year uh trace jackson davis hunter dickinson some other guys hunter dickinson still playing college basketball because of nil right um but i think that uh before the reality that you couldn't make this money in college was reason for guys to go chase a $250,000 a year contract overseas, whatever it might've been, instead of, you know, staying in college. Now the urge to go is less acute than it probably was years ago. Uh, it, It absolutely positively is less acute than it was years ago. Um, I think the days of striking while the iron's hot is now uh, more of a complicated topic uh, than it was before. It Mm -hmm. is going to be something where guys are going to have to look at their options and money is now part of it. Um, And, you know, guys like Carson Edwards years ago, they had, he had no choice. Like he was on the tip of everyone's tongue and there was nothing more he could do at Purdue as an individual. Um, you know, maybe he comes back and plays another year of college basketball, knowing he could make, you know, seven figures or, you know, high six figures, whatever it might have been, if he comes back and plays another year of college basketball at Purdue or wherever he wanted. Um, and that's that's the reality of it, too, is do what Hunter Dickinson did. Like, just make yourself available to the highest bidder to end your career, knowing full well that, you know, your NBA path isn't going to be, you know, as smooth as your 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 college path if you come back for another year uh guys just have a whole different kind of paradigm of options here these days and um but to answer your question zach Eady's going to do very well uh on the nil front i'm quite certain purdue now will return much of the same roster that it had a year ago obviously purdue was a very good team a year ago that lost in the first round of the ncaa tournament how will Purdue look different, however, this season than what it has looked previously? Well, I think the two guards being older and more experienced and having real off seasons, I think, just transforms Purdue. Uh, I mean, it, it just it can't be overstated how much experience in their backcourt and chronological age in their backcourt is going to matter. Uh, I think Purdue is going to engineer some things offensively to have maybe have a little more balance. I think they got. Uh, I think they, like everybody else, kind of got sucker punched a little bit by how good Zach Eady was last year, and it just kind of, it just kind of made their decisions for them on the fly. That you know Zach Eady has to touch the ball, you know, damn near every time down the floor. I think they're going to change that a little bit, not in terms of you know Zach Eady being as involved, but being involved different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they're going to use him away from the basket a little bit more. Uh, I think they're going to try to use him as a dive man a little bit more, a handoff guy a little bit more. Uh, more pick and roll with Braden Smith. And if, you know, Purdue can make threes at a higher rate, that's the the single biggest 
deal now um, for Purdue is they've got to shoot the ball better from the perimeter than they did this year. And there is no, you know, in, in full disclosure, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it just has to happen organically. It has to happen with Fletcher Lawyer, you know, shooting a higher percentage. It has to happen with them getting you know, Braden Smith in position to shoot more threes and him looking for his shot more often. It has to come from guys like Lance Jones and Camden Heidi and Miles Colvin and guys like that making enough open ones, you know, to be respected and things like that. It comes from the four men, you know, shooting better. Caleb first, Mason Gillis, uh, Trey Kaufman ran a little bit here and there. Maybe um, it, it just Purdue just has to take better advantage of the other half of the Zach Eady matchup. And if they can do that, they're going to be a more balanced offensive team. They're going to be a better offensive team. And they were pretty damn good this year. It's just a matter of it was a long season. And, you know, ultimately your youth in the backcourt, I think, showed up at the wrong time. I think Fletcher Lawyer wore down at the end of the year. I think Braden Smith probably did too. Um, and some of those guys were figured out to a certain extent. I think Zach Eady was figured out to a certain extent too. You look at what, or Purdue, I should say, was figured out to a certain extent. You look at what FDU did where they just said, you know, to hell with everybody else. We're going to put everyone on Eady and we're going to dare you to make 15 threes. Mm -hmm. And Purdue goes, what was it? Five of 26. Like that can never happen again in a game that matters. Uh, Five of 26 and and guys were hesitant to shoot. In the last ten minutes, too. That's that. Was... Guys didn't want to shoot, and it, that yeah. didn't make any sense. You know, it, it felt like like the moment was too big for Purdue, and FDU kind of exposed them, kind of dared them to make the plays they didn't have the confidence for some reason to make in those moments. And yeah, you know, you have to think that's a concern going into this year because maybe that's something deep rooted in this group of guys, but you also have to think experience, you know, helps. Experience matters, and um having the best player in the country helps obviously um but this team uh i think you know it, it it's great to have great to have all these pieces and purdue has great pieces but they have to prove some things still too from like like mental perspectives and you know their whole composition from from a basketball perspective they have to be more balanced offensively they have to be better defensively and as much as anything, they have to shoot the ball better. That sounds like oversimplification, but it's it's really not. They have to just shoot the ball better from three to complete that offensive mix that, you know, starts and doesn't always have to end with Zach Eady. I mean, the most intriguing part to me about next year's team from a personnel perspective is what exactly happens with Purdue on the wing and how do you use those guys. And because you have different personnel there, especially with, Colvin and Heidi, do you look different? Can Purdue use that to its advantage? Where does Ethan Morton fit in all of that mix? That's an interesting um, aspect of this team. I think that uh, that I'm intrigued about going forward. What what is it? What does Purdue look like on the wing? And will it? Yeah, I I, I don't want to get accused of like overhyping these guys and making making Miles Colvin and Camden Heidi sound like they're going to be Kawhi Leonard and Paul George here, but um, their athleticism and their size and their combination of those two things give Purdue something they they didn't even come close to having last year. 
Yeah. And they haven't very often had uh, in general. I think if those guys are ready, I think you're going to see Purdue try to throw the ball ahead and go a little bit faster on offense a little bit more. And you have a couple of athletic guys in the open floor who can finish theoretically. I mean, we haven't seen them do anything yet at Purdue. So uh, I'm just basically, I'm just basically looking at them, you know, from a thumbnail perspective here, but if those guys can be reliable shooters too, and you can have them on the floor to spread the floor uh, in addition to the athleticism they give you, uh, great, but you can't have, you have to minimize the guys on the floor that the defense doesn't have to guard. And that's where, you know, Colvin, who is a good shooter, but he's just going to have to, he's going to have to learn to take college shots and, uh, yeah. you know, kind of things like that. He's going to have to learn to play off other people. He's never had to do that. You know, Camden Heidi's going to have to prove he can make those open threes. I'm quite certain he can. Um, but he still has to prove it. Uh, Lance Jones is a guy uh, who's, you know, uh, who can shoot the basketball, uh, has probably never had to play off other guys the way he will now. Um, But those three guys too, uh, you know, if Miles Colvin and Camden Heidi, you know, say, I am going to make my way defensively. I am going to pay, I'm going to pay super close attention defensively to my assignments. And if if it's just straight up man to man, and I they tell me to lock down a guy, I'm going to lock down a guy. They have the athleticism, and they have every tool you'd want to be pretty good at that. On top of the interchangeability, where they're big enough to switch, you know, one through four, and not always be at a huge disadvantage. You know, Purdue is always gonna has always had guys out there who you know people are going to hunt in switches. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if this team, Braden Smith's size, you know, Fletcher Lawyer's uh, body type, I think make them guys who, who could get hunted a little bit, but those guys are also going to get better from a defensive perspective. But I, I think you're going to have more interchangeable lineups uh, too. And I, 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 I just think the athleticism on the wing and the addition of Lance Jones and his ability to not only be really good defensively based on what he did at SIU, but be really good defensively against a lot of different types of players. I think Purdue is just, um, you know, set up to be a much better defensive team than they were a year ago too. And yeah. I think that's, that's an important part of it. And when you have the best defensive rebounder in the country too, that's, that's not such a bad thing either. There's a part of me that really wants Matt Painter to play Colvin and Heidi from day one, whether they're ready or not. You know what I mean? I know that's not his inclination, but just take the lumps and the hope that they are ready by the time you need them to be ready in March. Yeah, but you still, every game still matters when you're still trying to get a, a, a number one or number two seed and produce in that position here. So, yeah, you know, it's not like you can just kind of screw around at the start of the year just to try to make guys better. Now, if you lose games, at the start of the year with your best units. Um, that's never the worst thing in the world because that can make you better. Ask Michigan State. That's how they've always done it. They've gotten their head handed to them, you know, in, in big time games early in the year. And one way or another, their team is at its best in March. You know, um, you know, Purdue peaked kind of early last year, uh, obviously, and peaked kind of early um 
definitely early the year before that. And you sort of wonder maybe if the non-conference season, you know, isn't a straight line like it's been the last couple of years, maybe things turn out different in March. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here uh, while being well, recorded, which is yeah. always a great idea. Uh, well, even even the but, Elite uh, Eight team, even the Elite Eight team was six and five, right? Seven and five. They didn't win a high major basketball game in non-conference play, and they lost like, Remember, had they not beaten Maryland in that Big Ten opener in December, they would have uh, they would have lost every uh, every high major game they played before like January. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was a good example of, but that was a completely new team too that had to figure its it, its way out. This is a team right. that's basically back, and they should hit the ground running, yeah. um, theoretically. Um, but you'd still like to be the best version of yourself when it matters most. What the answer is to that, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with the mental part of the game. I think Purdue, you're going to hear me, you're going to see me write this a lot here the next couple months. But, but like people talk all the time in sports about don't believe your hype. Well, yeah. not, you know, hype is confidence. And like if people think you're a top five team in the country, which Purdue credibly should be viewed as. Uh, this can be a better team than they were last year. And last year, the team was number one in the country, ran away with the Big Ten title, won the Big Ten tournament. If everybody thinks you're this elite team, you know, carry yourself accordingly. Uh, that yeah. that They should draw confidence from that. I, it's, I think that will come with experience, too. I think Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith will be a big part of that. I think, Zachy, there's no one for confidence there um but i think collectively this whole group just has to learn to carry themselves as a great team in order to be a great team when it matters you know right or wrong when it matters most and you know we can go back and forth about whether the ncaa tournament is really a, a fair uh, a fair gauge of the success of a season i don't think any of us would sit here and say fau was one of the best teams in the country last year they were not and they won't be this year, even though they're they're being ranked in the top ten based on uh, three weeks of basketball last year, which is absurd. But be that as it may, you know Purdue is going to be judged, you know, by its NCAA tournament results. And three years in a row now, things have not gone their way against teams they should have beaten. And uh, that's this year's team is going to have to understand that they're going to hear a lot of. They're going to take a lot of static from a lot of people. And every time the opponent goes on an 8-0 run, you know, Twitter's going to light up about, oh, it, this season's going to end the same way. And, you know, when this happens in March, it's going to it, it's going to blow the season again. And all that's going to matter to people is the NCAA tournament. And that's, that's, that's not altogether unfair when you consider yeah. how the last three years have gone and when you consider how good – when you frame that against how good Purdue has been in that time, but there's going to be that there's going to come a point in time around, you know, the end of March where the pressure is going to start mounting and they're going to have to show everybody that they've got thick enough skin and they've got, you know, enough fire in their bellies, so to speak, to, you know, rise to that occasion and be their best when they need to be their best. But they've got everything on paper that you would want. Uh, I mean, they're not a perfect team, but they're a better team. They should be a better team than they were last year. Um, and that's a mouthful. Yeah, no doubt. The, the mental challenges for this team 
uh, come February, March are, are going to be high. <laughs> They're just, there's no doubt about it. I think, I mean, I, I think they looked frazzled early in the second half against FBU. Um, and if they find themselves being challenged in that first round game by a lower opponent, they're, they're going to have a mental test there. I think yeah. it's interesting to see, it's, uh, how, how Purdue reacts to that. It's not just that though. It's, it, but it's like two years in a row in December or January, um, you're in the vicinity of number one in the country, if not number one in the country. And Rutgers just takes it to you, you know, for the first 10 minutes of, of basketball games. And that's the thing where that's, what's always amazed me about like Duke is that they go into other people's places and they're so conditioned, you know, to just understand what's coming and understand that they're getting everybody's best, shot and everything is going to be going against them and they have to thrive anyway and that Duke team that came in Mackey Arena years back when that was the game Purdue circled on its calendar and Mackey Arena's crowd had circled on its calendar and they were just completely unfazed by it and they just beat Purdue that day and that's the team Purdue has to come to is that they just have to they just have to come to understand if they don't understand already or they have to behave accordingly that there is no easing into games um, because that's how you end up down 12 with eight minutes to go in the first half. And then all of a sudden you play catch up and then all of a sudden Ron Harper makes a, makes a freaking prayer at the buzzer. And that's how you lose games. That's how you, the term is uh, I I can't say it on the radio, but um, screw around and find out, Uh, you know, I'll, (laughs) kind of uh all kind of watered down for our our sensitive eared readers but that's what Purdue's done uh you know more often than not uh or I shouldn't say more often than not but uh that's what Purdue has been has been prone to do periodically and it it's it always seems to be Rutgers on the other side of the the ledger but that NC State game a couple years ago too that NC State team was horrible you go to Barclay Center right after that Rutgers game you're obviously hung over from that Rutgers game. Um, not literally hung over, but, uh, you know, whatever the opposite of literally is. I'm, my brain's not firing on all cylinders right now. Uh, and you, you just don't show up for 20 minutes. And you can't, you can't do that stuff anymore. Uh, the standard is way higher now. And you have to – I'm not one to, to lecture people who, who operate in a much higher competitive environment than I can ever imagine – but you can't keep screwing around and finding out because that's how you that's how you leave things up to chance and that's how you end up getting beat because chance doesn't always go your way. Yeah. Um, you know, Purdue's not had great luck in a lot of instances the last couple of years. Uh, um, you know, the Ron Harper shot, the Chucky Hepburn shot, you know, stuff like that. Um, but you also make your own luck by playing better for the for the first 39 minutes of a college basketball game uh, and not letting crazy stuff uh, affect the outcome in the last minute. And that's just where Purdue is right now. That's the place they've earned, but that's, that's the burden they have to bear because of it. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Already looking forward to the season. It's only June. Uh, Can't get here faster enough. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's uh 
it's going to be eventful. It's going to be one of those years where every game is a freaking panic attack for everybody. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just, everybody's just got to chill and, and enjoy the ride. And when bad things happen to Purdue, it is not my fault. Okay. <laughs> Leave me out of it. Uh, every game in Maui has to be a 20 point margin. Come on now. Every game. Yeah. That's it's just not it's just not reality. I mean, it, <laughs> no team, no matter how great they are, is gonna is, is gonna have that sort of path. And you know that's why last year was so unbelievable, like unbelievable. Yeah. Like you couldn't have you couldn't have scripted what happened in November and December. Uh, it was just incredible, yeah, uh, and completely out of left field. Um, it was wild, and you know people went from enjoying the ride to very quickly, you know, Oh God, what's going to happen in March. And then to <laughs> that exact thing happening in March. And, yeah. you know, for that reason, every game this year is going to be, is going to be that, that three month in advance panic attack that it was two years ago. Yeah. Made everybody miserable, everybody involved miserable. Um, yeah. And it's just a game. Uh, but you know it is what it is so this is the business we have chosen true all right brian thank you yep tom dean hart coming up next we'll talk a little football recruiting that's coming up on golden black radio on the far end of main street in downtown lafayette you'll find east end grill industrial and classic the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro east end grill's menu includes creative starters simple chopped salads burgers fresh fish and steaks and the signature shrimp and grits the staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Tom, let's talk a little bit of football recruiting. We are certainly in the midst of it now with camps going on this month. Purdue will hold a couple of more uh, camps on Friday and, and Monday here coming up over the, the next several days uh, as they sort of get through uh, this month of bringing a bunch of guys in. Um, you know, in the past with Jeff Brom, we saw – Purdue take a, a bunch of commitments, uh, I don't know, 10, 12, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood during June, maybe trickling into July. Can we anticipate something similar happening with 
Ryan Walters. I think the number stands at eight commitments now. Could Purdue double that? Could it get to 20 by by July or the middle of July? What do you anticipate happening? I think maybe we'll see, uh, you know, maybe, maybe six to eight in, in June. You know, like you said, as a guy who's walked this walk before covering Purdue football, um, June typically always is a month where Purdue gets – uh, you know, five, six to eight commitments. And again, I, I think that's probably a safe ballpark right now. Uh, they've got eight right now as, as the camp season dawns. And I think Kyle, by the time they get to their signing day, of course, there's two in December. Then there's the one in February. So there's two, but I think by the time they get to December, you know, maybe this class is as big as 20 to 22 high school kids. So again, eight right now, Maybe they add, maybe they double that by the time we get to July 4th. Maybe they're at 16 commitments by the time the season starts. So we'll, ask, we'll just have to wait to see. There's a lot going on this month, Kyle. A lot of official visits. Campers coming to campus as well. So there's a lot of moving parts in a month that typically is pretty active as far as commitments go for sure. Yeah, a lot of those guys coming to camp hoping to leave with offers. Perhaps if they leave with offers, uh, they can then commit to those offers. What can you tell me about uh, some guys potentially – coming in and getting offers yeah the camp started this last weekend they had a camp for specialist on saturday <clears throat> about 45 kickers punters long snappers were here and uh, i tell you what kyle the star of the camp and it wasn't a surprise the star of the camp was brownsburg kicker spencer porath six foot one 185 pound kid uh widely considered the best kicker in the state. Uh, there's an organization called Coles Kicking that ranks him the number nine kicker in the nation. He had a preferred walk-on offer from Indiana. He's got offers from Air Force and Army. And uh, boy, there's a strong sentiment that he could maybe get a Purdue offer here. We'll have to wait and see. I wouldn't be shocked if he does. Again, he, he's an interesting guy, Kyle. He plays on the Brownsburg basketball team with Kenny Ketchins. He's a good athlete. He's got a twin brother. So, yeah, he's, he's a guy of people to sort of keep on their radar. Again, the kicker from Brownsburg, Spencer Porath. I did a story on him on the site with the video interview this weekend. And then this uh, on Saturday, they just had a general camp with, you know, juniors to be, seniors to be, sophomores to be. A couple guys turned offers out of that camp on Saturday. Kyle, one was a quarterback from St. Louis, Carson Boyd. He's just a 2025 kid. And then a big offensive tackle from Cincinnati named Madrade Peavy or Pavey earned, a, earned an offer as well. So I think, Kyle, a lot of these guys coming in now, it's more about the younger players getting in front of the coaches. Uh, some some seniors-to-be can't get offers, but, again, um, we saw a couple of younger guys draw offers uh, this weekend. And, Kyle, there's a couple more camps coming up on Friday than Monday as well. So the staff will stay busy for sure here. And then a bunch of official visits, uh, weekends here coming up uh, later this summer also. I mean, uh, you know, official visits probably everywhere are a little bit similar. Uh, mm -hmm. But obviously, you know, I think, you know, certain coaching staffs are going to try to emphasize different things. Any idea, you know, with this staff, sort of what the general vibe is with with official visits, what they try to, to get accomplished and, you know, what they try to sell to guys? Well, I think they're just trying to sell them on their vision. You know, this is such a, it's a new, new staff with new schemes and try to tell these kids how they would fit in, how they envision them fitting in at the positions that they play. Like I mentioned, there were four kids in 
this last week. And I think there's a good chance that one of these guys could commit here. Uh, this this uh, outside linebacker, Jalen Jones from, from Beaumont, Texas, could be a guy could be a guy people should keep on their radar. Um, this weekend, Kyle, there's only one guy scheduled that I know of to come in, a cornerback athlete from uh, Napanee, Indiana, Josiah Edmond. Uh, and really, Kyle, the big weekend is, is later on, June 23rd to the 25th. Purdue probably has, gosh, I'm looking at it now, probably 10 or 12 guys slated to come in. So by the time we get to the end of June, Purdue will have had over 30 guys take official visits. So um, we'll, get, we'll have guys certainly on commitment watch throughout this month. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, how they fill this thing out and, and, uh, and how the commitments count looks by the time we get to the start of the season. I don't know if you can answer this question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Obviously, you know, Purdue has put an emphasis on transfer portal recruiting here this year with, with Ryan Walters. I mean, he's coming into a situation where uh, Purdue had a lot of needs at a lot of spots. Any idea what the balance will be going forward between high school recruiting and portal <laughs> recruiting? That's a good question. I'm really not sure. I, I would have to think they want to probably take at least close to 20 high school kids a year. And uh, they took a lot of portal guys this year, obviously. I think 17 is their count now. But may, maybe that's 10 portal guys a year. So so maybe it's more of a, a 15 high school guy, 10 portal guy balance every year. That's just a guess. It's going to probably vary year to year, obviously, as, as based on the attrition that you uh, that you suffer in the holes that you think you have. So that would be my guess. And I think the portal shopping for Purdue this year is largely finished. You know, Friday found out they took a commitment from a, a portal cornerback from northern Illinois, a kid named Zeke Williams, who was in the portal, wasn't getting any offers, Kyle, so he's going to come to Purdue as a walk-on. So kind of a good walk-on addition if you're Purdue. And he's the older brother of, of a kid that Purdue had in for an official visit this last weekend, a four-star receiver from Illinois named Luke Williams. So uh, so that's another cornerback that they've added. And I think, Kyle, that they are going to maybe try to get another offensive lineman in the portal. I think they have a guy on their radar um, that they're focusing on. And we may get some news on that later this summer. Those are the two positions, aren't they, that we're going to be talking about until the opener it feels like cornerback, yeah, and offensive line. You know, if you count the the, the kid from Northern Illinois who's coming as a walk on, that's going to be five portal cornerbacks at Purdue plus a junior college cornerback. So that's six new cornerbacks. Think about that: six new yeah. cornerbacks. The offensive line's got, I think, four portal additions. And it could, it could have a fifth. So you're right. That's the position, uh, the cornerback spot in the offensive line that have been impacted the most by, uh, by the transfer portal for sure. Yeah. All right, Tom. Thank you. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Uh, thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right. That'll do it for our show for Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.